This is Jim Duncan with Nest Realty and Sweat the Details. One quick addendum to this podcast. We recorded on Monday afternoon, 15 February, and we discussed how CoStar had lost out on buying CoreLogic. Wake up to 16 February, and they've made an offer that is 20% higher than the accepted offer. I have a link in the show notes. Things are moving fast right now. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, everybody. This is Keith Davis at Nest Realty. I am here with my partners, Jonathan Kaufman and Jim Duncan, for another episode of Sweat the Details. The three of us have been chatting over the last week. Um, I hope that you were able to tune into our episode two weeks ago with Mike Simonson of Altos Research. Um, if not, I, I cannot uh, commend an, an episode more to you than this one because it really deals with the absolute um, issue of inventory and the housing crisis that we have right now for buyers. Um, so check that episode out. But in that conversation, we really got to talking about the fact that the three of us had not had a chance to get together and talk about other issues in the real estate marketplace. And we just wanted to have a chance. So welcome, Jonathan, Jim. Good to see you guys again. Good to see you. Good to see you. Unfortunately, we've got some things to talk about. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of news the last, what, two to three weeks? And yeah. in, especially in the last five days, right? I mean, um, most pressing of which is the conversation for every realtor Facebook page, which is Zillow announcing that they have acquired uh, or acquiring Showing Time, which for those who are not real estate people, Showing Time is a software package that allows uh, consumers and agents to schedule showings for active listings um, and kind of greases that wheel a little bit and, and lowers a lot of the friction. So Jonathan, you want to give me your thoughts on where that, that acquisition comes from and where it goes? Yeah. Yeah. I wish, I wish I knew. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think part of the whole conversation that we want to have today is about, um, about a lot of these real estate technology companies, otherwise known as prop tech companies that are being gobbled up by, you know, the big three or the big four. And we'll, we'll get into that. But I think specifically for this, um, for this acquisition, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a smart move for Zillow. Zillow, you know, there, there's this constant conversation to Zillow a brokerage. What are they Zillow trying to do? And I think that, you know, the, the, the one stat that keeps jumping out to me, and I've been doing a lot of reading and research on this uh, and thinking about it, Z Zillow has generated or has I'm going to back up. Zillow generated in 2020 a billion dollars in fees off of um, off of their top agents that that work with them. So clearly, which which let's let's really quickly draw a line though because that's changing as well, right? So in 2020, that was primarily what they called their premier agents, correct? And that's moving into flex agents. There's going to be a whole different way of collecting those fees. True, true. But yeah, I guess if we yeah, and we can go down that path too. But I guess if you're, if I think the point of it is, Zillow is very much still focused on generating fees in a variety of different manners from agents, and for them right. to just drop that completely probably is not going to happen. I think you know the path that we've seen Zillow taking really, as since we've started paying attention to this over the past you know thir 12, 13 years, they've consistently looked to acquire companies that that to help them build up kind of a build up their platform for lead gen and services to agents and that could be anything from uh i mean there was a company they acquired years and years ago which they have i don't think any and they're doing something with called rent juice um which was rental management um you know transaction management with dot loop and i mean the list goes on and on but i think this is just another example in the line of something that they're trying to do 
to bring agents into their web of uh, of tools and services. Uh, just like Dot Loop is a is a big piece of a lot of a lot of agents' businesses. I think um, Showing Time is and will continue to be a big piece of uh, of of Zillow's offering to agents, and they'll probably find some ways to enhance that service and get agents to use it you know, more and more and more. So, but I, but this, but showing time is a different kind of acquisition, right? I mean, showing time is not something that primarily is sold directly to agents and is certainly not sold to consumers. The True. primary, the primary purchaser of showing time services are realtor associations, right? They mm -hmm. are, it's, it's a service that has a critical mass and has network externalities that matter for making the product valuable, right? It's if I'm the only realtor in a community using it, it's not very valuable. But if the entire realtor community uses it, it has immense value in terms of, of you know, creating less friction to use, you know, Rich Barton's terms. Um, how does that work though? If, if Zillow is a brokerage, which they clearly are now and they're registering as brokerages in most states, um, if they are a broker and they're gonna be listing and selling properties, how do you then justify an association buying a product from a realtor member? No, I man. I think so. You know, I'm going to back up real quick. I mean, I think that there's it with Zillow to to go on Jonathan's thread for a second. I mean, I, since they came in, came to this, you know, the scene, if you will, you know, 12, 13 years ago, uh, for for real, there's been a certain in inevitability with Zillow as they have as, as they have slowly trod their path. They've, you know, they they have, you know, strategically deviated in certain ways, but they're. I think that their end goal is to own, you know, the first click to the last and the ongoing one. It's a full vertical integration. That's right. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. So, I mean, I think it's something that no one should be surprised by this, you know, because whatever it takes for Zillow to, you know, to to remove friction and make it something that is as easy as possible to move. Um, they're going to do it. Sure. Uh, but if, but if you, you know, we talk about the, the billion dollars worth of, of premier agent fees that were collected in 2020. Right. Um, if I'm an agent, I wish to spend a thousand or 5,000 or more per month with Zillow. That's my choice. Now what you're doing though, is you're actually purchasing a company whose entire revenue stream is based on a mandate from an association that their members utilize the services. And I mean, and that does change the way that agents are going to look at wanting to to contribute to their competitor's success, right? Until, until Zillow buys the association, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think that it's pretty short-sighted of us to, and, and I'm not saying we're doing this, but pretty short-sighted of anybody to kind of look at Zillow and just say, "Here's the one thing that they're doing, right? right. They're doing a lot of things." And, and sure. I'll use this example, and it's probably kind of strikes the fear of God into more people as I bring this up, but look at Amazon, right? Amazon sells everything you want under the sun, but they also own uh, Ring, the doorbell company, right? Or quote unquote doorbell company. They own uh, Eero, which is a kind of a, um, a modem and router uh, company. They own audible.com. They own, so, so, you know, none of us look at Amazon or they own Whole Foods. Like look at all these different things right. that they have. They're not, they're not just kind of looking at one path of, of what they want to do. It's very similar to Zillow as they're looking at this whole kind of life cycle of a transaction, just like Amazon's looking at the life cycle of someone's daily lives and saying, how can we continue to help somebody in their, you know, 
I don't even know what Amazon's mission statement is, but um, I, I think that, you know, I guess the, the gist of it is that, is that we need to look at Zillow as more than, you know, just, just a, and they are just a brokerage or just, uh, you know, an, an iBuyer or just this and look at it holistically of what they're trying to do. And they're trying to, you know, put their tentacles and be a part of this whole transaction and really own the transaction, not just start to finish, but really kind of ultimately beyond. I, I mean, think, to be fair, though, but I think, mortgage. But I think, no, but I think that that's one of the things that most brokerages, if they're doing it right, are trying. You know, every brokerage is trying to have a client for life. That's right. You know, and, and Zillow is just extremely good at it, and they've got they have the pockets and the the strategy and the leadership uh, to make it happen. So, I mean, I think it's one that more power to them for executing at a level that most people can't touch. Who's, who's people, the client for life, Jim? I mean, I think the. <laughs> Question. Great is, it, question. is it the is it the firm? Is it the agent, or is it the consumer? Depends on your on depends on on who's, who's or is it all three? It's, yes, I mean the answer is yes. I mean, but I think the from a from a pure residential real estate agent perspective, you know, it's the the person that you represent them when they have a you know point you know, like a nine week old kid to when they you know sell that and they move on. And in the meantime, that they re- recommend their friends and their parents to you, and then as they move through their life cycle with homes. They're always there as a client, and they're referring people along the way. From a brokerage perspective, that client for life is going to be the agent. I mean, they're going to be a client for you know they're going to be a client of that brokerage, an agent from when they're a rookie to when they're retiring. You know, I think that that's a client for life from the from the brokerage perspective. Uh, from Zillow, they want all of it. You know, they want the agents. They want the they want the the good premier agents. I mean, they've already made the moves to you know the, the agents. Flex who, agents. Yeah, who do one transaction a year are not going to be Zillow agents, um, you know. But they, the the agents are a customer, the brokers are a customer, the the builders are a customer. At some point, they're going to sell. The, you know, I would assume they're going to manipulate this data, this big data that they're aggregating into a way to leverage it somehow. That it always fascinates me when people and agents say, "But they're taking all of our data." And my response is, "What were you doing with it in the first place?" Yes, they're taking your data, but you're not using it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree with that, but it's, you know, I think the agent wants their data maybe in a vault, right? They don't want somebody to be using it and it's okay. Look, I'm, I'm a okay. And as most, most of our nest agents are, I am a okay working through a transaction and basically keeping my data, my client's data and all my information in a vault and having it never be used again, unless I want to be the one that, that uses it. And so, um, you know, it's almost like come, comes out and, uh, and, and real quick to be clear, we our 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 agents' data and our client data is not leveraged in a third party. It's that's all within the Nest silo, which I think is right. a is a competitive advantage to a certain degree. When you when a client says, you know, how's my personal personal information being used? We can say for this transaction. So okay, so let's let's talk about other acquisitions and other. So the big three. So Jonathan said, started earlier and said that, you know, this was acquired by Zillow and, and, and we'll talk about acquisitions from the other big, of the big three. So at least in our mind, the acquiring companies right now are Zillow, CoStar and Lone Wolf, right? These are, are three well-funded, well-backed firms that are frankly on a buying spree, right? Lone Wolf has collected. um, I feel like, you know, we were joking when the showing time announcement came out, I, texted to one of you, I said, what, Lone Wolf didn't buy it? Because I feel like every acquisition involves them in some way right now. They've bought Transaction Desk. Uh, they've bought Authenticine. They've bought 
um, Zip Forms, Zip Logic. They have acquired. Um, uh, I mean, I feel like there's a there's a whole suite of of other companies that Lone Wolf has been buying in. And the same the same question to Zilla, right? Well, they are always had the accounting software, which was their their principal and primary starting point. Um, CoStar has picked up uh, or is in the process of picking up HomeSnap. They have bought dozens of portals for apartments for for other you know pieces. So these are the companies that are kind of going after the prop tech firms, right? right? And you're talking about the ownership of the data. So within Lone Wolf, Lone Wolf has um, all of the form company, well, they don't own dot loop, but they do the form companies through Authentisign Transaction Desk and through ZipLogic. Uh, ZipLogic has the NAR contract. Authentisign goes directly to realtor associations and sells in, in bulk tending, right? But they have set up in their systems that after you complete a contract, you can click a button and all of your client data goes directly to their vendors and it is sold, right? It is, it is set up to be uh, manually done or, or electively done. But we know we've, we've had cases where agents don't remember doing that, but it pops up that, that a moving company or a utility company will contact them regarding an upcoming contract. So let's talk about the, the use of that data. Where, you know, what is the line and how do you manage with these vertical integrations? How do we manage where that data is going? I mean, we talk about keeping it a vault, but how you can't if you're, if the only forms that NAR puts out are done through versions that allow for the sale of your client data. Well, I do know that from a, from a larger scale perspective, and it'll be interesting to see what Zillow does, but when, you know, bigger firms and associations are negotiating contracts with these type of companies, then there are, there are aspects of the contracts that you can negotiate. And I think, I believe the way that I understand it, most of their tech has the ability to kind of turn off or turn on the shares. I know that uh, that that is the case with Zillow. Is do you, how do you want listings to be displayed? Do you want this data to be to go out there? Do you not want it to go out there? Um, and I would assume the same is the case with with ZipLogics and, and companies like that. So that being said, um, the the bigger players, the associations and larger firms that have some negotiating power in contracts can do it, whereas some you know. Potentially, and I'm I'm making some assumptions here. Some smaller companies, one-off agents, they want to use the product, right? There's no, there's no negotiating power that they have um, for for those for those key points. Well, I think that Keith, that goes back to your point about the associations, you know, ma mandating agents to use uh, a showing time or whatever that product is. Sure. Um, you know, if they have to, if an agent has to use that to function to do their daily business or a brokerage needs that for their daily business. I think there is some peril into mandating the use of that when ultimately you are, and that is a competitor that has an end game that only they know um, to, to leverage and use that data, you know, in two, five, 15, 20 years. So I think it, I think it raises more questions than anybody has answers to right now, but it's certainly something to be helped to be dealt with at the, you know, at the various association levels, uh, to understand um, how what that leadership needs to be. Yeah, and, and I'll and I'll say just kind of talking over overall the 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 playbook for these companies, Zillow, you know we're, we're talking about right here, and this is I mean this expands beyond Zillow and Lone Wolf and CoStar and and, and these companies we're addressing today. The playbook for them is 
ties back to um, back in 2000, I think it was 2019, I was invited and went to a Zillow broker forum. And it was a not a big group. It was about 150 broker brokers across the country. And we went to Chicago and spent a couple of days there. And it was pretty interesting to kind of get the behind the scenes there, you know, agent services and CEO and, um, you know, different department heads um, got up in front of the room and just kind of talked about the playbook. And one of the gentlemen got up and, and talked about um, Clayton Christensen's book, The Innovator's Dilemma. And he was basically saying that this book was at the core of Zillow and who they were. And it's, if you haven't read the book, it's, a, it's an amazing book. And essentially is, um, you know, The Innovator's Dilemma is if you built a, a company or have a product or service and it is doing great and, you know, your company is doing great, but you see some some trend lines in the future that that um, may disrupt or seemingly your, your business may get disrupted. The question is, do you keep do you keep on the path you are with your current business, or do you switch and and kind of go with what the future is is, hold, is holding uh, and, and change your business model? Um, and you know, Zillow got up and said it right there, and they've changed their business model. And and I look at Lone Wolf, who, who was just you know five years ago, it seemed like they were just an accounting package. And CoStar, you know, if you go on CoStar's website, commercial, uh, it says. CoStar Group Inc. is a com- is commercial real estate's leading provider of information analytics and online marketplaces. Commercial real estate, right? They have gotten in the residential and get, are getting in the residential game. So, um, all three of these companies are using a very similar playbook. Essentially, this this innovator's dilemma. I, this is the way that I see it, and it's really interesting to to kind of look at the three of them, and they're you know they're they're fighting like sharks in the water right now. Right. I mean, but ultimately, you, the question is, and Jim, I'll let you maybe answer this question. Ultimately, the question is, how does this affect realtors and how does it affect potentially, if it does, how does it affect the, the consumer? I mean, I think from a realtor's perspective, it certainly gives us plenty of stuff to complain about. Um, not that it really matters what we complained about. Uh, um, no, but I, I think that Zillow, they are, they, they're, they are inevitable in a lot of ways. I mean, they're, they're going to touch every aspect of, of the agent's life, whether they're representing buyers who are looking on Zillow or the sellers who are being, you know, sellers agents are being contacted by, by unrepresented buyers. Uh, I think that Zillow's spread is just going to increase and increase and increase. Um, and they are going to keep taking the tiny little bites out of it. But the one thing I think that shouldn't be lost, at least so far, is that Zillow sees value in, having an agent fully involved in every aspect of the transaction. You know, they, they are not, you know, they started off as like the agent killer, you know, 15 years ago. Uh, and that didn't come to fruition because there, there's enormous value in good professional, you know, realtor representation. And they recognize that. So I think that they, they offer choices. You know, if, an, if, if someone wants to be unrepresented, whether buying or selling, Zillow can, can, own, can own that funnel. If they want to have some representation here or there, Zillow is there there also. So I think that from an agent perspective, you know, Zillow is a, is a, is a an excellent tool to use uh, as best you possibly can, whether you're representing buyers or sellers. Um, so again, for me, I think it's something that they are something that is something to be aware of, not fearful or concerned about. But they're going to be there, you know, for you know longer than than a lot of brokerages are because they have the 20, 50, 100 year plan. 
Well, uh, you know, I, you, we kind of look back at this and say, what's fueling this? And there's a lot that's fueling it. But I, I just pulled up here a second ago, Jim, as you were talking, the Zillow stock chart. And back in, you know, essentially a year ago, right, we'll go back. Uh, well, we'll go back to mid-March of last year. Their the day stock before price. the pandemic or the day after? <laughs> ish. Yeah, right. Ish. Probably right after mid-March, they were hovering around $25 a share. Uh, I'm going to date this episode a little bit, but they're, they're, they're a shade under 200 right now. And so what is that, a six and a half or seven X increase? And anytime you get a company that's got a six and a half, seven time increase over you a year, you want to buy things. <laughs> you have probably have cash that you want to buy things. And it's the same is true for private companies too, right? Correct. So public companies is very transparent that I can pull up a chart and see this, but there's other private companies that are out, that are out there. Lone Wolf, uh, CoStar is public. I haven't pulled up their, uh, their chart, but you can kind of look at things and say, well, they, they, you know, they have cash, they've got income, they've got, you know, their market caps increasing. They have to do something yeah. you know, with it. And so that's part of the reason that this is all happening in the last couple of weeks and, and, that we're seeing is there's a, there's a bit of a feeding frenzy out there. Well, and if, look, if, if you are owned privately, you are looking to leverage your quietness, if you will, you know, leverage the privacy of the lack of transparency of your information to do things, you know, CoStar last week or two weeks ago went after CoreLogic, right? Um, They lost that um, to StonePoint partners and Insight partners which are two venture capital firms or private equity groups. Um, but what nobody talked about is the fact that StonePoint is the money behind Lone Wolf as well. So you're now looking at CoreLogic being picked up by an equ- you know private equity group that's going to clearly be bundling this stuff as you know, when they, when they roll to their next movement and take something public and they're looking at those stock prices, they're well aware of what multiples mean to their future value. Um, and so suddenly you've got CoreLogic, which is controlling the, um, CoreLogic and Zillow together control the flow of data from residential MLSs into the actual firm's hands themselves. And now they're owned by Lone Wolf, right? I mean, that's, this is, there is a lot of, of prop tech Roll up that's going to be impacting every agent every day moving forward, and this is this is all about who controls the data. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's something that I think ultimately with well, let me back up. There's a reason that Ford Motor Company is using big data almost almost as much as they're building cars. You know, they the data that they are selling from the cars that they have is I've read is is nearly as valuable as, as the production of, of their vehicles. Um, you know, I think so. I think there's data. This data has value, and I think that he, you know he or she who owns the data is going to be in a profitable, controlling position to to lead the way for the next phase. Yeah, I will say just a point to that. I remember it's probably been 15 years now, but having a discussion with somebody about the fact that GM believed 15 years ago that their cars were secondary to their finance company, that the financing was where the money was to be made in, in automotive sales, not the actual production. They had to produce it to get access to the financing. And I think, and I agree, I think now it's about the data that's being produced by the automobiles and everything that's in it. It's incredible. It's a quick shift. I mean, I, again, I think from a, from a brokerage perspective, you know, there is so much data that can be collected. I think that there is also a moral responsibility, if you will, 
to be transparent about how that data is being used. And I think that this goes back to actually to one of our earlier podcasts um, with Maritza Johnson talking about with, with the our privacy and our data. Yeah. And, I'll, and I'll link this in the show notes also, because that was a really great one. Um, I think it's incumbent upon consumers, but agents and brokerages to be, to understand where the data is going and to be transparent about how it's being used. Because I think that if, as a real estate consumer, I would probably, I mean, I'm in the exception, I would probably evaluate how my data is being sold to third and third parties as part of my decision-making process, if it was a transparent thing. So I think it's something that, um, again, that being said, it doesn't matter because we all keep tracking devices in our pockets 24 um, seven. And I think that the data is out there and it's going to be used, but I think that, um, I think yeah, it, the, you, have, you have the big big companies, CoStar, Zillow, et cetera, they're going to continue to to aggregate this data and use it in ways un yet untold, you know, un, even un, un yet design, uh, you know, not yet designed. Um, so I guess it's, it's you know we all just need to pay attention to what we're doing. Well, my my favorite stat in in real estate, and you guys know it, is seventy four percent of home buyers and sellers never hear from their agent again. So the question is, if an agent doesn't stay in touch with their client. And, you know, another company does after closing, what happens with that? And when I say yeah. another company, maybe a prop tech company, one of the companies that we're, that we're looking at here, what happens if, if, you know, if I, you know, if I, you know, sell, sell somebody a house and they close and they never hear from me again, but maybe they get a happy anniversary card from Zillow yeah. every year. There was, there, was, uh, there, was a, there was an agent I talked to years ago at, a, at one of her conventions. Um, I don't remember what market she was from, but she said she had decided to farm a neighborhood. And, and rather than just farming every house, she waited until somebody bought a new house in the neighborhood. And after it transferred, she put the new buyer, the new homeowner onto her mailing list and would keep them regularly informed and send them, you know, calendars or whatever at the end of the year. And she said, you know, 10 years, six years later she started picking up substantial sales and she would ask them why'd you call it they were like well because you sold us the house and they were firmly <laughs> convinced that she had been their agent since they had moved into that house and uh and i think that just speaks volumes to the fact that whoever the other agent was never never reached out didn't I'll stay in touch and uh, there's another agent that we all know that you know we, he says that real estate is not rocket science it's just a matter of answering the phone um you know the first one to answer the phone is often the one who's going to get the sale and i think that you know zillow is they have a brand name and CoStar, you know, from an agent perspective, doesn't have the brand name. Lone Wolf doesn't have the brand name to the raw agent population. Um, you know, so I think that they are, each of them are making their inroads in different ways. But I mean, Zillow, yeah, I mean, Zillow has the brand that people know and they trust. Um, you know, so that's, I mean, it's something that we, again, I'm not, we're not going to compete with Zillow. We're going to compete in each of our, in, in each of our markets the best we possibly can. Um, but again, it's, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're still going to keep doing what we're doing and, and innovating from Nest perspective, uh, you know, across the country and, and offering the best products we can. I think that product is representation. And as long as we have that value, I'm not going to say everything's going to be fine. We need to keep innovating, but we're in a better position than a lot. Right. You got, you have to pay attention to what's happening out yeah. there and be aware of it. And, and look, um, you know, this is never going to be a, a show that we're going to plug any of any of our tools, services, things like that. But Go yeah, for I believe it's a huge, huge benefit to an agent if their brokerage can manage and run all the transactions, manage, run, and own all the data related to transactions, CRM, and things like that. And we are very fortunate 
at Nest to have that, that we control the transaction management, we control the data for, their, for clients, we control all that and we're not selling that information out there. And I think that's a huge benefit. And look, we're not the only company that has it, but you know, we, we saw this when, uh, uh, I don't know, it was a year or two ago, uh, the CRM company contactually yep. was purchased by another brokerage, an- another big, uh, big brokerage out there. And all of a sudden, all that contact information that was, you know, quote unquote, owned by the agent or brokerage, and it wasn't, um, that other company had access to. And it's, that's, that's the scary thing about the prop tech world. And we've all talked about this and I've never started and run a prop tech company. So, but I, so I'm going to say some things that may be wrong, but I, I think I'm right with this, that there are very few small to medium sized prop tech companies that, that are cash flow positive. A lot of these companies are started with the intention of selling them. And the danger is, especially with a CRM, um, the danger with the CRM or, or, a, or a third-party transaction management company is that the end goal of them is to, is to get sold. And, you know, you could wake up, you could go to bed on, you know, Sunday night and all your information's in your CRM and you wake up Monday morning and a competing brokerage down the street could own your CRM. So that's the, you know, that's the benefit, a huge benefit of, of us kind of having our own system and having our own developers um, and, and storing the data ourselves and controlling that data, I think is a big, uh, is a big benefit, a big bonus. Well, and I think that one, you know, the contextually one was interesting because that was a product that was absolutely loved by the agents who use that service. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a brokerage saw it as an opportunity to bring that to all of their agents. I mean, I hats off to them, right? I mean, that was, that was a wise move, but I have not, I have not heard anyone in the realtor community speaking of that firm, you know, of, of the contextually as being a great CRM package now that people are, are flocking to, which they were at the time, right? I mean, follow up boss and other things have taken the, the, the limelight from them, but, um, that one was one, and I think, and I think it's going to be interesting that just to bring this around at the beginning of this was that is that showing time is a service that agents love. It is a service that absolutely cuts time and energy from an agent's weekly, you know, workload. So the question is, will agents continue buying into that service and continue utilizing the service when it's now owned by technically a competitor, or is that one that starts losing market share because only the members of that brokerage want to use it? Um, I think it's actually, I think it's ingrained enough in our, in our culture and the way we operate that I don't think it goes away. I think there may be some price pushbacks from associations when it comes time to renew contracts. Um, and maybe it will have less adoption with, with associations that haven't yet brought it on, but I don't see agents who use it walking away from it. I agree with that. I mean, I think it's something that there's going to be a, a lot of, you know, hemming and hawing and, and arguing on Facebook groups and Inman and things like that. But ultimately, it's a good product. It makes it easier for agents to do their jobs. Um, well, I, I, you know, I go back to the fact that everybody in, in real estate world loves to hate on Zillow. And um, they constantly complain, how are you selling your data? How can we do this to the Zillows of the world? And my response back is is always, how many of you have voluntarily said, I don't want my client stuff listed on Zillow. 
How many of you don't think it's a benefit to have Zillow promoting your listings? And there's not an agent in the world who can say it's not beneficial. Like, come on, this is this is not, you know, this is not rocket science. Who has more listings? Yeah, Zillow, has, oh, everybody has the same number of listings. Who has the most viewers, though, of those listings? Zillow does. We know that. And you'd be a fool to not list your listings on Zillow. I would never get a listing if I said I'm not going to list on Zillow. No, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we, and frankly, how much do we pay for that? Well, we pay a lot in different fees in different ways, but the reality is the actual initial service, they provide it to us and we will readily and eagerly gobble it up because it helps our clients. If you're not the customer, you're the product. That's the truism. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I would say, uh, you know, we don't have our standard sweat the detail question for our guest this week. We can um, ask Jonathan cause he's not on very often. <laughs> Well, the, the last time, uh, what was it two weeks ago? You said, oh yeah, we did, we did a podcast the other day. You didn't even invite me. So, uh, <laughs> I did listen to it in the car, in my car. I was in a car for a couple hours, um, and did listen to it. It was, it was, it was great. Um, was your son excited by it? Did he, did he just embrace it and talk about it for hours afterwards? He had his AirPods and <laughs> to, to something else, um, which I don't know what, but look, I think the detail you need to sweat with this is. It, it just comes back to what Jim said earlier, focus for, this is for an agent. Like what, what's the detail you need to sweat when it comes to kind of all these acquisitions and rollups? Yes, you need to be aware of kind of what's happening and what third-party companies you use and any potential impact that you can have on the data sharing agreements. Sure, you need to be aware of that, but it comes down to representation. Yep. Represent your clients, amazing. Mm-hmm. Stay in touch with them, provide amazing service. And I'm not going to say that it's all going to work out, but that's the one thing that you can focus on that really is going to have the biggest impact on, on, on your business. So, yep. Amen. Amen. On that note, guys, have a fantastic week. Hopefully we'll be able to have office meetings and other things as we get into 2021 and people start getting vaccines. So stay safe and thanks a ton. See ya. Thanks. Thanks y'all.